reading this morning is from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, and we're starting the reading at chapter 3. And when I prepared this yesterday, I thought, I was reading it through, and I thought that the same phrase comes up twice. See if you can spot what that phrase is and see what it's all about. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted, and it has turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to you to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labours might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought us good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us, just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come and see you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. This is the word of the Lord. Please do keep that passage open because we will be going through it and that way you can check I'm not making it up. And if I am making it up, you can shout out. Or maybe not. Yeah, it's a bit dangerous, isn't it? <laughs> so, when I was about seven or eight, I got separated from my mum temporarily. We'd gone to the supermarket and uh, you know that helpful way that children pull from the front, along the front of the trolley? I was doing that. So I was at the front pulling the trolley sort of from behind me. My mum was hanging onto the the um, handle and pushing front. We got to the lift to go up to the car park and the lift doors opened. I strolled in. My mum saw that actually the trolley wouldn't be able to fit in the lift and the doors shut with me in there and my mum out of there. She did do her best. She grabbed the closest thing she could, which was a Sara Lee chocolate gatto, and she shoved it at the doors in the hope that that might stop the doors from shutting. But no, the doors slammed shut, 
squashing the Sara Lee chocolate ghetto and taking it up with me away from my mum. <laughs> clear memories, clear memories. But it's all right, I was saved because my sister went charging up the, lift, the uh, stairs and as the door opened again on the floor that I knew that we'd part, she came charging along, yelling my name. And so the lady who was looking after me in the lift let me go. So I was okay. I can't remember if the Sarah Lee chocolate gatto was very good. It was probably a bit bent up, but um, I'm sure we ate it anyway. So that was just a daft example, obviously. But separation from loved ones is really difficult, isn't it? And just for that moment, I would have found that really difficult as a child. And we can probably all relate to the pain of separation in some way. Even it's the COVID lockdowns, for example. And here was Paul still missing the Thessalonians terribly, desperately wanting to be with them. Paul had only stayed relatively briefly in Thessalonica and he'd had to leave abruptly for fear of his life. He'd had to escape as people were trying to kill him. And Paul's persecution had continued as he knew it would. From Thessalonica, he'd fled to Berea, around 50 miles away. And then Acts 17 tells us that when the Jews in Thessalonica heard that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, Some of them went there too. They followed him, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast. And then from there, he was escorted to Athens. And then later on, he moved on to Corinth. In his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul said, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and much trembling. That's 1 Corinthians 2, verse 3. It wasn't possible for Paul to return to Thessalonica, and it clearly distressed him. He describes himself in the previous chapter that we looked at last week in verse 17 as being torn away from them and that he had an intense longing to see them. Here we see his great love for them. And back then, there were no catch-ups on Zoom There was no WhatsApp messages or texts. Obviously, there were letters because he was writing a letter, but who knew how long it would take to be able to communicate with each other? So like an anxious parent, he wondered what was happening to them, fearing they were endangered. He's been pushed physically further away from them, traveling south, but he wants to be back with them. He wants to affirm their faith and know that they're okay. They had welcomed the gospel, But how were they doing now? They were a young church. They were mainly Gentiles, recently converted from paganism, and they were being persecuted. So there were lots of elements there that would make them vulnerable. Paul was desperate to hear word from them, worried that they may not have been able to stand firm in all that they were going through. And this really shows his pastoral heart and his love for his churches. He didn't just move on and forget them, moving on to the next. He wasn't about kind of ticking boxes. Yes, that's so many converts that we've made. But he was about building God's kingdom. And he cared about those that he'd been living in faith with. So when Paul couldn't stand the not knowing and the separation any longer, he sent Timothy to them. Timothy, who he describes as their brother and co-worker in God's service. 
Timothy's remit, if you like, was to strengthen and encourage the Thessalonians in their faith. You can imagine Paul still waiting. What are they doing? What's happening? Are they okay? And then we read, Timothy came back to Paul with good news. They were continuing in the gospel. Their faith remained strong. They were standing firm in Jesus. Their love for one another was strong. And that they too longed to see Paul again, not falling for the lies that seemingly were being told about him at that time. So they hadn't just gone along with Paul on a whim or been converted by some sort of reasoned argument or something that sounded good at the time and then returned back to how they were before, but they'd welcomed the gospel. They were being transformed by it and they were living lives of faith. Their faith in God remained strong. They were anchored in him, able to stand firm despite the awful pressures that they were under. I wonder how we're doing in this. Are we anchored in our faith and our faithfulness to God? Do we have a strong and stable faith despite ups and downs of life? Growing in faith is so important and it's a lifetime's journey. We never get to the point where we can say, there we are, we're there now. Not in this lifetime anyway. There's always more growing more learning, more depending on him to be done. Now, I know there's a whole wealth of wisdom in this room. I know, I can see you. So I'm going to tap into it. You don't need to shirk, it's okay. There is a wealth of wisdom and experience in this room, I know. So I'm going to ask you a question and just have a think and share with somebody near you. What is it that has helped your faith to grow and deepen to this point. What is it? You can have more than one thing that's helped your faith to grow and deepen in this point. Have a little chat just for a minute, and then we'll find out. Okay. Yep, John. For me, the one thing that's kept me going as a Christian for 50 years is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Without the Spirit... It would be simply an intellectual exercise. And there are so many confused opinions, I would never know which one to listen to. Brilliant. Thank you very much. So the work of the Holy Spirit in your own life. Yeah, thank you. Any other suggestions? Yeah, John? Uh, Being brought by God through difficult situations. Absolutely. Being brought through difficult situations. Yes, Jane? Being part of a small group that I had with. Yeah. They're being part of a small group, like a, a home group. Yeah. This church has done so much for me, so much for me. Yeah, brilliant. And my home group. Yeah. Again, you know, I look forward to it all the time. If I miss it, it's a point for me. That's brilliant. Lovely, thank you. Okay, so this church and home group. Yeah. Anybody else? Excellent preaching over the years in, in a lot of different churches I've been in. Yeah. But I've been very blessed by very good preachers. Fabulous. Faith. Yeah. So excellent preaching that encourages your faith. No pressure there. Yeah. Uh, some of the promises of the Bible. Yeah. Some of the promises of the Bible. Brilliant. 
This is a bit less holy, but... It's okay. There's times I wanted to walk away. Yeah. We've got responsibility. For example, we talk about Christian unions and other things that's involved in as a young person. You can't walk away. And it's at that point where you become a bit more dependent sometimes. Yeah. And, yeah, I think I've walked away many times otherwise. So the responsibilities God's given you... That means you've had to keep going and depend on him. Yeah, even when you don't want to. Brilliant. Yeah, I don't think that's less holy. I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. Helping and supporting people in the community. Yes. Helping and supporting in the community. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Yeah. Fellowship. Yeah. Coffee room and all those things. Yes. Where do I lock here in this church? Yeah. I think it's one. Yeah, brilliant. So the fellowship that we have here through the different activities that go on. I'm not being a, a parrot. I'm trying to repeat it so that people on Zoom can also hear. <laughs> okay, just while you're wondering why I keep repeating. Phil? Visiting other countries and seeing how God works through churches in, in other parts of the world. Yeah, fabulous. Visiting other countries, seeing how God's at work. And across the world. Festivals, festivals. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Um, green bells, Park, Right. And when you realise that there are other people, yeah. Exist. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So Christian festivals. When you're a young person and you think nobody else is young. Yes. Brilliant. Thank you. Miriam. I mean, I agree with all those things, um, but I also think that. Having having your own time with God and while studying process of God. Yes. Yes. Brilliant. Own time with God in Bible study and prayer. Yeah. Being able to do the start course and see people go to faith. Fabulous. Yeah. So doing the start course. So is that for you leading it or for doing it yourself? Yeah. So leading it and kind of serving God in that way, bringing others. Yeah. Bringing others to faith. Brilliant. John? Nowhere else to go. Nowhere else to go. Nowhere else to go, yeah. 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 Yes. Ever was going to university. She was wearing a soul survivor jacket the other day and somebody came up to her and said, Oh, soul survivor. They realised they were Christians and they went to church the following week. Oh, fabulous. That's great news, isn't it? Lovely. Okay. We'll leave it there. There's going, I mean, we could be here all day because there's lots and lots of, of things, isn't there, that's God done in our lives and also that we've seen him do in others that help us to grow and to continue to grow. So as we kind of revisit this in terms of thinking of our own growth in faith, there may be something on there that you think, oh, actually, I, I might have a go at that. Or they're all, it's also important to think about how we're encouraging each other and others in their growing of faith. Maybe there's something there for you to do with others to help to stand alongside them. Timothy was sent back to Thessalonica to encourage them, and his news back to Paul encouraged him. Paul had a renewed strength and freshness of life. You can see that in verse 8. He says, For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. Paul's work had been effective there. And he praised God for that. He didn't take glory for himself either. He praised God for it. It made Paul feel much better that the Thessalonians were doing well. And it spurred him on in thankfulness and prayer. Let's build each other up. In the same sort of way. It's great to do that. 
individually, but also as churches, like Phil said. It's a privilege in this church to be linked with churches in Bolivia and Kenya and Cyprus and other parts of Birmingham, maybe less glamorous, who knows, but, and elsewhere, but to be able to support and encourage them, which in turn encourages us, just as we saw there with Paul and Timothy and Thessalonians. So verse 6 tells us that the Thessalonians were standing strong in their faith, in their relationship with God, but also in their love, their relationships with each other and with others. And these, of course, are linked. And their love is something that he remembers fondly about them back in chapter 1. The commentary Bible.org on this passage says, A stable, growing and active faith will lead to acts of love. An active faith, one living in the light of the gospel and the person of God and his promises, will be productive in loving ministry for others. So they're linked. Tom Wright says that the love that the Thessalonians had for one another was truly one of the astonishing things in the early church. Imagine within that world a new community where people from different social, cultural and racial backgrounds treated each other with the love appropriate within a family. This was a sign which Paul regularly celebrated of God's dramatic work starting something quite new, the like of which the world had not seen before. It was evidence that in Jesus and by the Spirit, the living God was indeed at work. And Jesus himself said in John 13, a new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So we're not just loving to be nice, but to show that we're his disciples, to demonstrate that he's at work in us and to share his good news with others. So I'm going to flip it back to you again for a minute. If our faith is marked out by love, what acts of love have you been shown by other Christians before? Okay? So discussing your pairs again for a minute. Can we have some examples for the other half of the board? Oh, look at these hands go up quick. That's good. Yeah. So when the flat was flooded, about seven people from church came and helped and took stuff out and got it dried out and somebody looked after you and... Um, uh, put, put her up, if you like, <laughs> uh, for three months. I thought it was for a week, and it was for three months. Any more examples? Yeah? My mum was very ill a couple of years ago. She was a sister in Newcastle. So helping when your mum was ill and, uh, and when, when, you, when you were ill, yeah, and walking the dogs. Yeah, and still doing that. That's great. Thank you. Chris? Helping me a lot when I was bitten by that dog in Dubai, certain, certain members of the all day. So helping you when you got bitten by a dog, yeah. Sam? I get given lots of free food. Hooray! Sam gets given lots of free food, excellent. Trying to build you up, excellent. Yeah. 
Um, in the newsletter every week, you know, we tell people are sick. Uh, I think it's, it's very important. Yeah, definitely. So praying for each other when we're sick and, and when prayers are needed, yeah. Brilliant. Dan? When we were overseas for 10 years, we had people praying for us all the time. Mm. Just people we didn't know and never met or met briefly. Fabulous. Yeah. Prayer support when you're away and abroad. Okay. So moving to new places, being really welcomed into homes by strangers, meals, and sometimes being mentored. Fabulous. So mentoring, being given meals, welcomed by strangers. Brilliant. Pat? People accepting all of our foibles and weaknesses and loving us just the same. Absolutely. Accepting us and loving us as we are. Brilliant. I was Cheryl? Say, say, well, the listening mm. without judgment. Yeah. Listening without judgment. Okay, yeah. The main thing that I really love about Christianity is the love they share with each other. In my experience, it's amazing. And after long years, the love I have from this church is Calming back, you know. Yeah, fabulous. Fabulous. Support, caring. Mm. Caring, loving support all the time. Yeah, fabulous. Time for one more, Bobby. When I first became a Christian, I was a bit of an emotional emotional disaster area. Mm -hmm. And I Kathy took me in for Christmas. Mm. Yeah, not hardly know me, not really know what to expect. And for many Christmases after that. Right. Taking in for Christmas when she was an emotional disaster. Yeah? Yeah. Accepting hospitality, loving kindness. Yeah, absolutely. So as we see that list, and I'm sure we can think of other examples as well, I guess our challenge is, how can we continue to show more of God's love to others around us? When we're out and about during the week, being the church in the world, which is who we are, doing what we do Monday to Saturday. You are allowed to be loving Sunday as well. Wherever we are, how are we showing God's love to the people around us? We've talked about lots of practical ways and prayer as well. Prayer for others is an act of love. It doesn't cost us anything, well, not financially anyway. And it's the natural overflow of our faith to be showing love and being loving to each other. So Paul was delighted to hear good news about the Thessalonians' faith and love. They were continuing in the gospel. How are we doing in this? I'm not asking you to share that, that's personal. How are we doing in this? What's the next step of faith for us to take? Let's not settle in becoming stagnant, but keep growing and seeing God at work in us and through us. Let's keep on keeping on. Paul talks about perseverance in his other letters. In his letters to the Galatians in chapter 6, he says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. While I was preparing for this morning, and actually all week it kept coming back. Those of you who know me know that um, song is the way that often God speaks to me. I wake up with particular songs, and I, you know, all through the week. But particularly, this verse kept coming back to me and back to me and back to me, which is Psalm 51, verses 10 to 12. 
It talks about the joy of our salvation. It says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I wonder if this is where some of us are. Whether some of us remember well the initial joy of coming to know Jesus for the first time and the excitement of starting to walk in faith. Perhaps for some of us this is dimmed over time, maybe through things that have happened to us or barriers we've put up between us and God, or even in taking salvation for granted. Perhaps we think that the joy of our salvation belongs just to those newer, younger Christians who are very enthusiastic and excited. But maybe we need to pray for God to restore the joy of our salvation to us, that we would be delighting again in all he has done for us and in the adventure of faith, the life in him that he's brought to us, and the season or the time of life that we're in now. See, our lives change, don't they? We, we go through different seasons, and what we were before maybe isn't what we are now, and maybe the way that God wants to use us now is different from before. I've certainly felt that in the past. Let's keep it fresh. Let's keep that joy of salvation real to us I wonder what God is calling each of us to today and how he wants to reveal himself even more to us. Verse 9 speaks of the thankfulness to God and the joy that Paul and his companions had because of the encouragement of the Thessalonians. Night and day they prayed for them, frequent, earnest prayer, which illustrates the reality of their own faith, their dependence on the Lord and the genuineness of their relationship with him. They wholeheartedly believed that God was in charge and that he answered prayer. He prays for them as he writes, for God to clear a way for them to get to them, for God to make their love for each other and for everyone else to increase and overflow. So we've already seen that he said there was good news about their faith and love, but he continues to pray for them in this for even more and for God to strengthen their hearts to be blameless and holy in the presence of God when Jesus comes again. Holiness is about being set apart from the world and becoming more like Jesus. Ultimately, this is found in Jesus. We can't become holy or blameless on our own accord. It comes through welcoming him and all he's done for us to bring us back to God and by the work of the Holy Spirit, like you said, into our lives. Then living in his strength, being filled, fueled, and directed by him until the day when we see him face to face and his work in us will be complete. This prayer of Paul's has a hope-filled future reference, looking eagerly to the day when Jesus will come again with all those who belong to him and keeping that in sight so that the present struggles are put into a much bigger eternal perspective. Faith, love, hope, thankfulness, and prayer. These are the key themes that we've heard about in the first three chapters 
of 1 Thessalonians, their firm foundations for continuing in the gospel and as a basis for Paul to go on to instructions for holy living and some doctrinal issues which we'll start to look at next week. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for all that we have heard and learned through this letter already. Thank you for the faith and love of the Thessalonians and of Paul and his companions. Lord, we pray that you will continue to fill us and lead us by your Holy Spirit. Help us to know you each day in the circumstances that we're in and to be obedient to your call. We pray that you will restore to us the joy of our salvation, knowing all that you've done for us and continue to do in us. May we bring glory to you as we continue to follow you and place our hope in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.